recording live from a Patriots parade bus where Bill Belichick is leading a no days off chant. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast. <laughs> can you believe he did that in a group of people that obviously took a day off? Yes, yes, I can. That's the most Belichick thing ever. Did he he's, really do this? He's berating the crowd for taking a day off because winners don't take days off, even if you're a Patriots fan. Belichick leading a chant has got to be like no days off. This no, is a, somebody this is a take man this who, and, you know, in earnest, said after the Super Bowl was over. Well, we're five minutes or five weeks behind everyone else for yep. 2017. Yep. He said <laughs> Which it is great. Seriously, I like how Bill Belichick has taken his persona and just he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna put it on 11. He has yep. his own meme. Everyone's like, you're you're really grouchy, and he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna be grouchier than that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be more <laughs> that. It'd right. be like if uh, um, it'd be like if we found out Harbaugh was putting extra pleats in his khakis. <laughs> so we've Gross. got a we've got to start off with our off season week one, off season week one. We're going to lead every week with a little bit of Seahawks news and some NFL news, and then we're going to hit up with the movie club as always. So let's start off with our Seahawks news. First, uh, big news story: Kenny Easley, your favorite Seahawk, Eric. Yes. He made the uh, Hall of Fame. Yes, and uh, I think it was overdue. Number 45 deserved to be in there. Remember, before Cam Chancellor, before Earl Thomas, before uh, Michael Bulware. Before Ken Hamlin. Before Ken Hamlin. These are all heavy hitters. Uh, we had Kenny Easley, the enforcer, uh, nicknamed because he would kill people on the field. Uh, <laughs> no, really, uh, Kenny Easley, if you if you want to just enjoy some some old Seahawks, maybe you're you're too new of a Seahawk fan or you're younger and you're like, I don't, I don't really know Kenny Easley, just go to YouTube. Type in Kenny Easy, Easily, uh, E-A-S-L-E-Y, and watch yourself some tape. Yeah, you'll, you'll see a man who's not out of position, a man who hits really hard, and those shoulder pads, I don't think they're shoulder pads. Those are back in the day when like the shoulder pads, pads were the size of the helmets, and uh, <laughs> man, that guy is just wrecking people with those giant shoulder pads. Yeah, this is a... Uh... Kenny Easley, this year's uh, Hall of Fame class was the, like, burn super bright for a very short amount of time, because Easley got, his career got destroyed by injuries at the end. Yes. Yeah, um, and there was uh, also some controversy around him leaving around uh, kidney disease, possibly bought on by too much uh, painkillers. Pain yeah, he had, so there was a lot of, he had, but him, Terrell Davis, I mean, these are... Jason Taylor? Yeah, these are some guys who burned super bright. Morton high. Anderson, really short career, burned <laughs> okay. super high. All right, all right, well, that's the outlier, <laughs> Jerry obviously. Jones, barely stuck around oh. i actually you know what jerry jones has really redeemed himself in the last couple of years yeah not making horrible decisions but let's not go down that road i let's also like ladanian tomlinson getting in on that ballot i think mm-hmm. he's one of those players where he was so consistent i think people forgot how great he was his great seasons matched just about anybody's and he kept it going for a real long time for a running back and he took a lot of records from people too Namely, right. Sean Alexander. But Kenny Easley, fourth career Seahawk to go into the Hall of Fame, joins uh, what uh, Tez, Kennedy. Big Walt, and uh, Steve Largent, yep. and uh, three-time All-Pro, uh, 1984 Defensive Player of the Year. So you know he, his career occurred before Nate and I were Seahawks fans, before Eric was really even an especially big one at the time. I'm sure that a younger Eric, a wee Eric. Oh, wee Eric loved Kenny Easley. Uh, first of all, because my mom met him at a bar and, and got, a, got all, a Polaroid with him. But because of his metrics. 
Yeah, I was big into the stats when I was a kid. No, I just, <laughs> I was like, man, that guy really hits hard. Ooh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry to those of you who are wearing headphones. Coming in hot. <laughs> Kenny Easley just coming through. Uh, real quick, we'll, we'll get off our Kenny Easley, uh, love here in a second. I just want to say, do you know about this crazy story that in college, Cam Chancellor dated Kenny Easley's daughter, didn't know it was Kenny Easley's daughter, went to pick her up, and was like, hey, Kenny Easley, let's talk for two hours and delay this date. Wow. That's I, a real story. You know, that's a really good decision, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, Cam dates come and go, but how often do you get to meet Kenny Easley? And that's a way, uh, you know, the dad is Kenny Easley. I'm, I'd am i rather talk to him to avoid death. That's Speaking of too. Cam Chancellor, he had a double ankle surgery. Yep. ankle surgery, and I think it... Just another chance for people to think about the fact that these guys always are doing little, little surgeries and tuning up. Like, it's just it's, it's a thing that's ha- – it's a reality of NFL player life. Yeah. Uh, you got to have, like, a million surgeries. Knees are getting scoped. Shoulders are getting cleaned up. Yeah. So he Bones had burst, both, down. both ankles at once, which is pretty <laughs> hardcore. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Richard Sherman's MCL injury, uh, we're now Pro not transition. going to lose a draft. It's very unlikely we're going to lose a draft. So are you saying MCL gate is over? Is that was that a gate? Why does everything have to be a gate? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's just more fun when you ta- attach it, gates. It's either it. it has to be a gate or a Mageddon. So which do you prefer? MCL Mageddon. You gross. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to uh, welcome to the internet world, Nathan. Sorry. But the best part about this injury is the whining. Uh, people saying uh, just like here's a quote: If Richard Sherman was on the Patriots, this is by Reddit user Buns of Anarchy. If Richard Sherman was on the Patriots, he would have had one of his legs chopped off by a league lawyer and fed to Goodell in a weird ceremony in the woods late at night where everyone is semi-conscious and drooling and chanting anti-Patriots slogans, followed by Glatt saying, For real, Belichick gets a lot of flack for how he does the energy report, mostly because he always includes everyone that gets limited in practice and is playing through something that impacts their normal week of preparation. But look at this example here, or Mac not being on the Falcons injury report despite having a broken leg. Yep. So they, they they bring up some points. I mean, yeah, I don't think I. This is why the probable designation needs to come back, though. Yes. Let's be honest. Like, probable was a designation that meant this guy's going to play. He was affected all week in practice. Uh, if you, you're there, you can't have it both ways. You either can let the teams protect their players by not having them on the injury report so they don't get targeted, <laughs> or you can kick Greg Williams out of the league. <laughs> or <laughs> or you can. You can get rid of the, or you can bring back the probable designation, which, I mean, sure, lots of guys are probable and they never miss games, but who cares? Like, it lets people know that they were affected in practice. Yeah, There's a clear issue of one rule leaving and a new rule coming in, and like one of those sub rules not really being rewritten. This was back, this was a rule that dates back from when probable was a listing. And so by removing the probable tag, you are now creating a gray area which makes for something that may or may not be um, a violation. And I think this brings back Nate's point about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, or Sherman. Like, Sherman, like, playing in the Pro Bowl and getting an interception was basically him getting us our draft pick back. Yep. He <laughs> intercepted a second-round pick and returned it to the Seahawks. Yeah, this is pretty great. Thank you, Sherm, for doing so. I really appreciate it. Dick uh, Sherm? That was really great. All right, we have uh, one more piece of uh, Seahawks news. This is a Tyvis, sad one. Tyvis Powell uh, was claimed on waivers by the Browns, which means that he didn't even clear the first team <laughs> on uh, waivers. Let's have a quick moment of silence for the Devin Hester era, because that's what we traded Tyvis Powell for. Yeah, we Don't did, yeah. you all feel good about that? One week of Devin, two weeks of Devin Hester, one week? The fact that you don't remember 
says everything you need to know about having Devin Hester. We didn't. He was used in the Detroit game, but he didn't do anything. And then he showed Atlanta, you shouldn't have cut me because I'm going to be very decent. And, you know, that awesome run back is going to get called back and then I'm going to retire. Yeah. I like Tyvis Powell. He had a really good attitude about being cut. He's uh, from the Cleveland area, so he feels good. Um, He's from, yeah, he's from Cleveland. Like, he's like, you know, like, that's his thing. He's from Cleveland. And, I mean, I'll miss him because he had a great attitude. He worked really hard. He had a great, he's huge. He's fast. Like, he immediately becomes our third best defensive back. Yeah, he'll he'll be great for them. Like I'm I'm very happy uh for Tyvis Powell. I, I wish him the best. Um if we play the Browns in the Super Bowl, then <laughs> uh then I will wonder how how we got there because I already feel like we're in the apocalypse, but that would just like confirm it for sure. At least we'd be in it. All right. So, uh one more piece of Seahawks news I lied. Seahawks opened up at 11 to 1 to uh, to win the next year's Super Bowl. What do you think? I think when you look at the team, that makes a lot of sense. If, third uh, best odds. We're tied with the Packers. Uh, we have wor- uh, the be- two better odds than us. Patriots at plus 600. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. I actually don't think it should be that high, but it makes sense. And the Cowboys, plus 1,000. Which with the young core, that makes sense too. Yeah, I like our chances better only because I think there's going to be some regression with the Cowboys next year. You've got two big positions uh, coming into their sophomore years at with uh, Dak Prescott at quarterback and Zeke Elliott at running back, I think there's going to be a little bit of evening out there. Uh, I like this team. I think it's fair. By the way, Denver we Broncos are sitting there at plus 1,600. Uh, if you think Tony Romo is going to Denver, now's the time to get that money <clears throat> in, boys. No, I like this Kansas City plus 1,900. If Tony Romo goes to Kansas City, that team will win the Super Bowl. Well, then where's Alex right Smith going to be angry and asked to be traded to? He can go wherever he wants. They can just cut him. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like Alex Smith, who? Oh. Romo on the Chiefs is like my uh, my AFC. Like I would just be all over them. The I whole gotta be season. honest. You know, I, I do like the Chiefs quite a bit. He looked good in that uniform. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and it, everyone's saying Texans or Broncos, but I think Chiefs is like the sleeper, like great Ugh. landing spot for him. Texans. I wonder. All right, so now we're gonna go to a whole league thing. Uh, our whole league section of the of the podcast, where we can bring up NFL news, but I wanted to start with something fun. You guys ready for this? Oh yes! Reddit user Zandrick Ellison, he made a choose your own adventure style text game. Ooh. In this version, you're hired by the San Francisco 49ers to help them fill out their QB depth chart. Oh God! Are you guys ready? And I don't no, wait, paid enough real for this. quick, Kevin. You and I, I think we should do our best to try and agree. And I think you also should pretend like you're actually trying to be good. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. Here we go. Ready? So here's the first one. But wait, but we're also hired by the 49ers. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you're Kyle Shanahan. I'm John Lynch. No, here, nope. Here we go. It says, congratulations. You have been hired as the special advisors to new GM John Lynch. You meet with Lynch to hear about your responsibilities. He indicates that he'll handle the media and press conferences. Meanwhile, you'll be in charge of this whole quarterback thing. With that, he slaps you on the butt and sends you on your way. You stand there completely confused and overwhelmed. What do you do now? Do you meet with Coach Kyle Shanahan to find some answers? Or do you realize this game is more involved than you expected? Quit and go watch your weird fetish porn instead. <laughs> I, we got to go with it. I think we're going to talk to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you meet with Kyle Shanahan. Although the other one is very tempting. By the way, Kyle Shanahan after a reportedly sh- replaced by Steve Sarkeesian with the Falcons. Ooh. After a strange first encounter with GM John Lynch, you meet with Kyle Shanahan to discuss his thoughts. Fortunately, he has a lot of answers for you. 
The confident young Shanahan says he's worked with a number of different QBs in the past with different playing styles, from RG3's rookie year in Washington to Matty Ice's MVP campaign in Atlanta. He wants the best QB prospect you could find, regardless of fit. He'll tailor the scheme around the talent. All he mandates is that you fill out the depth chart with one veteran signing, one rookie draft pick, and one third-string roster filler. What do you do? Do you agree with the mandate and get to work? Tell Kyle that you have your own vision and you'll do what you like. You know, if this was old 49ers, meaning... If it's the every, Trent Valky era? Yeah, well... Trent Valky was still calling the show. It would be the second one. Uh, I, I think we'll we do should... what we like and then do what he said anyway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, we will we will uh, take uh, take Mr. Shanahan's uh, considerations. All right. You agree with the mandate and get to work. As uh, as Eric Rondebeck's fond of saying, this is going to look like a Shanahan offense. Yeah, that's right. One way or the well, other. after leaving Kyle Shanahan's office, you feel good about your plan forward here. This may work after all. But as you enter your office, you get a phone call from 49ers owner Jed York asking if you have your quarterback yet. You do not. Upset, York stresses that he'd like to see the franchise return to the glory days with a star QB who they can plaster on posters all over the city. He wants a big name, and he wants it soon. The two names he mentions are Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, the brightest stars on the market. <laughs> he thinks they're possible pro bowlers and franchise QBs with movie star good looks to boot. Here's you to push for one of them. What do you do next? Do you explore a deal for Kirk Cousins? Do you explore a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo? Or do you pass on the big names and move on? Kevin, this is our first test okay. outside think, of the first one. I think uh, I think Kirk Cousins is the only one of the two you give consideration in this situation because I agree. It's going to cost you probably a similar amount of overall uh, like chips that you have in play in order to get either player. And I think if you are the 49ers with the where, with where your franchise is at, you don't want to be picking up Jimmy Garoppolo and be the next person saddled with the didn't quite get their quarterback. That's because we're also not so getting we, Belichick Kirk in the deal. Kirk Cousins or nothing. Kirk Cousins or nothing. What do you think? Oh. Do you think Garoppolo is like the next next Matt Castle then? Uh, no, but I think he's the next uh, Ryan uh, Mallett. No, uh, Shab. No, okay, next Matt Shab. Uh, you know, I think. Oh, we're specialized. I don't want to lose my job. And I'm thinking Kirk Cousins. I'm going Kirk Cousins. Yeah, go, let's go Kirk Cousins. If we can get Kirk Cousins, I think that's a good deal. Because I think we can get You decide to explore the market for Kirk Cousins, who is technically a free agent, but will most likely be franchise tagged by the Redskins for the second year in a row. The fit appears obvious after Cousins has proven his worth in the NFL and has a strong relationship with your new coach, Kyle Shanahan. The only question is, can you land him? You call up Cousins agent Mike McCartney to inquire about Cousins' status. McCartney would love for Cousins to go somewhere else with a long-term deal. He wants $100 million with at least $40 million guaranteed, but he doubts the Redskins would allow it. The Skins realize how amazing Cousins is and would never part with him without asking for an arm and a leg, but you can call, you get call waiting. It's Redskins GM Scott McLaughlin on the other line. Maybe he's inquiring about the deal. What do you do? <coughs> do you take the Redskins call or do you feel like it's a lost cause and move on? Take the Redskins call. Take the Redskins call. God, yeah, you can't win the hand if you don't ever take any cards. You hang up on Cousins' agent. <laughs> Feel the call from Redskins GM Scott McLaughlin. He sings a different tune than the agent. Privately, he confesses that the Redskins are waffling on re-signing Cousins to a long-term deal. They may designate him with the non-exclusive franchise tag, which would let another team swoop in and steal Cousins, provided they give up two first-round picks in the process. McLaughlin's offering you a deal early because he knows how much Cousins, Shanahan and Kirk Cousins get along. He'll franchise Cousins and trade him to you for a price. He wants your first rounder, your second rounder, and your first round pick next year. No. Keep in uh. mind, Cousins will be asking for an immediate extension with $40 million guaranteed as part of the package. It's high price, but it may be worth it. What do you do? Do you pull the trigger and acquire Kirk Cousins, or do you say no 
and move on. That's a flat no. They need too many different positions filled. They are they are at a dearth of talent. I really want to say yes because the NFL is so awesome when it gets so desperate and it's not your team. But I I gotta go with Kevin's you know absolution here. No, we're moving okay. on. So uh, you guys agree with Reddit user Useless Swamp Lord who said, "Bout to nope out this trap." <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I we, agree wholeheartedly. Could that be the new Hawk's Nest motto? I hope that that's the exact verbiage John Lynch uses in that situation. You have decided not to acquire Kirk Cousins. It may be the prudent move on the long run, but it's a public failure. With the Redskins leaking out how much you loved Cousins but couldn't land them, you fell right into their hands and drove up the price, getting nothing in return. You've been outfoxed by the Washington Redskins of all teams. Not a great start. <laughs> Jeff York is not happy with your stewardship so far. You better turn this thing around fast. So it makes me move on to uh, free agency. You didn't land the big fish in Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, but there's still time to find the veteran you need. March 7th rolls around, indicating the first day that teams can start negotiating with free agents. Your front office identifies two veteran free agents that they believe can contend for a starting job. <laughs> Brian Hoyer. <laughs> oh, 31-year-old no. Hoyer has starting experience, including a year with Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland. He brings veteran leadership and savvy to the organization, although he's never been able to stay healthy and lock down a starting job. You talk to Shanahan, who likes Hoyer as a possible bridge QB for a draft pick. He would only trust Hoyer to start for a year at most, so if you land Hoyer, he'd like to develop a rookie QB behind him to be ready by 2018. One hiccup here. The Chicago Bears have the same plan in mind and would like to keep Hoyer in-house. As a result, the price isn't cheap. To acquire the Hoyer, you need to outbid the Bears and offer him three years, twenty-eight million, with fourteen million guaranteed. Mike Glennon, oh. the twenty-seven-year-old gunslinger, may be on the opposite end of the spectrum as Hoyer. He doesn't have much starting experience so far, but he offers a lot of upside given his size <laughs> and arm strength. Coach Kyle Shanahan's lukewarm on the idea of Glennon. He likes his physical profile and his traditional style of play, but worries about his mobility and his accuracy. He also says that Glennon will need some development, so if you sign him, he would prefer not to draft a high-profile rookie who would need attention as well. Glennon has some suitors around the NFL, such as Cleveland and the New York Jets, who are both offering the chance to compete. He likes the fit with San Francisco and clear opening as a starter. He wants a four-year, $44 million deal, but it only amounts to two years, $18 million in guaranteed money. You'd be locked into him for two years, after which point you can reassess. You can either sign Brian Hoyer, sign Mike Glennon, or pass on both and move on to even cheaper free agents. Kevin, this... Now, you, you're really good at coming up with names quickly sometimes good names but if i say kevin come up with a bad name quickly you'll do it kevin if we don't take these two guys what quarterback is nathan going to say next just uh i'm thinking rg3's on the list oh now see i'm uh, thinking there's going to be a, a mccown available oh i kind of like this i kind of like this uh mccown actually just got cut irl let's see if this game has received updates uh, recently um do you want to do you want to roll the dice kevin uh, well we're getting a bridge qb are you willing to pay that much for hoyer yes or no glennon's off the table i don't think so man i the best case scenario of this ever happening is when the seahawks sign matt flynn i actually think hoyer is a good fit though yeah but he's only going to play six games a year (laughs) yeah laugh it up but you know i'm i'm telling the truth too uh pass on both pass on both here we go Rolling the dice. This is you amazing. You haven't secured a starter in free agency so far, but there's still time to add a veteran. Remember, your mandate is to sign at least one free agent. Coach Shanahan doesn't want to go into the draft with a blank depth chart. <laughs> the front office brings you two mid-level free agents to consider next. Matt Barkley. Damn it! The tw- oh. 26-year-old college star hasn't been embraced by the NFL, bouncing around teams before finally getting a chance to start for the Bears this past year. The results were 
inconclusive. <laughs> Barkley looks solid at times, overwhelmed in others. Much of that may be blamed by an injury-ridden and drop-prone roster. You talk to Shanahan, who thinks Barkley is a smart kid who can learn his offense well. He admits that he has physical limitations, though, and may be destined for life as a career backup. If you sign him, he'd like a heavy investment in a rookie QB who would be able to start sooner rather than later. On the plus side, Barkley would not be expensive. He likes Shanahan in the opening in SF. If he would have the chance to compete for a job, he's signed for a modest $8 million guaranteed. Landry Jones. Like Matt Barkley. I'm not <laughs> Just skip this one. Yeah, I was not going to read this. It's, there's so much text here. <laughs> Just skip that uh, one. Coach Shanahan thinks that he could possibly be a starter, uh, but there's a chance he's also just a below-average backup. Uh, he'd sign for the same $8 million in guarantees. So do you want to sign Matt Barkley, sign Landry Jones, or find a bargain basement free agent? I like Matt Barkley in this situation. All right. We are going to go with Matt Barkley. Congratulations. It's taken a while, but you've filled your mandate so far and acquired your veteran quarterback in Matt Barkley. Now it's time to move on to the NFL draft. The organization feels like you still have a massive question mark at QB, so there is not time to mess around. Barkley may be able to start for you, but the team would like to see a QB with more upside draft at some point. Luckily, you haven't used any of your draft picks so far, so you'll have the opportunity to draft a QB with your top pick. If you pass, you'll have the chance to draft one in R2. If you pass on that crop, you'll have one last chance in the mid-rounds. So here we go. Start the draft. All right. Do you want, basically, Kevin, you have a strong opinion on this. I don't need to read the scouting reports that they put in here. Correct. Deshaun Watson and Mitch Tr- Trubisky. Uh, do you want to pick either of these at number two? There's only, two, it says that these are the only two legitimate options in, at this point. Do I you, would not pick Mitch Trubisky at number two overall. This team needs too much talent. Pass. Do you, uh, do you, I would not pick Deshaun Watson at number two. He's a West Coast quarterback, maybe. Oh. Uh, he's a late first round pick. Uh, then you, if that's true, then Deshaun Kaiser's going to be available, and I think he's a better fit for the offense than Shanahan's going to run. All right, so you, you don't, you don't like, uh, they took Miles Garrett number one in this uh, story too, just so you know. Yeah, I would take Miles Garrett number one overall too. <laughs> All right, so you're passing on both and moving on to round two. That's it. All right. Uh, you got Brad Kaya yep. and Gerard Evans. Ooh. Uh, Kaya is the Miami, Florida junior, has three years of starting experience under his belt, as well as solid arm strength and physical talent. He hasn't put up monster numbers that other QBs have, topping out with a 62% completion percentage this past year. Coach Kyle Shannon has studied his tape and thinks he'll be an above average QB in the future. He watches him and sees an Andy Dalton type player. Ooh. I'm speaking, he's speaking Kevin language. <laughs> he can win with him and he won't win by himself. Owner Jed York agrees, saying the LA native is charismatic and handsome to boot. There are a few awkward I moments when the Jed- entire I- room debates York's sexuality, but you move on York. to the next player. Gerard Evans. Unlike Kaya, Gerard Evans only has one year experience at Virginia Tech, but he did produce well with 29 TDs plus 12 rushing and only eight interceptions. Physically, scouts love what they see with good size, speed, and arm strength. The fact that he only has one year of experience doesn't bother some of them, as he's been at a junior college before that. There's a little Cam Newton in him, all things considered. But there's a massive risk. Aside from the limited experience, your director of college scouting reminds him that he played for coach Justin Fuente, the same coach who squeezed a great season out of Paxton Lynch at Memphis. <laughs> he also heard reports that Evans sulked around Virginia Tech and wasn't much of a leader. Jumping into the draft early may have confirmed as much. Simply put, big risk, big reward. Do you want to pass on both and move on to the mid-rounds, or you want to take one? I, a, I like the Kaya pick here. I think he's a good fit for Kyle Shanahan. I was just going to say, I think we have to pick a quarterback So in this round. So what Kevin says. Uh, but just so you know, you just missed out on Patrick Mahomes the second. He got, I, I actually really like that as a fit for Shanahan, too. Uh, I think he's a good Bruce Arians They Arian mentioned fit. it as some guy who got picked right in the first pick of the second round. There's, yeah. All right, so you picked Brad Kaya. Congratulations, you succeeded in the first two steps, acquiring your veteran and drafting your rookie. Now, per your mandate, you must complete your depth chart with one third-string roster filler. The front office staff brings you two options, free agents who haven't signed with another team so far. They are Christian Ponder. Oh, no. Which I'm just going to read. Got a hot girlfriend, though, Kevin. That's nice. uh, Her wife. 
Owner Jed York mentions that he must have some serious mojo because his wife, ESPN reporter Samantha Ponder, is a genuine hottie. He goes on and on listening to the things that he'd like to do to her, and it starts to feel like overcompensating to you. I like how there's a there's a thread in this that that Jed York is gay, and then Antonio Pipkin. At first, you think there's a typo on yeah, from Antonio Tiffin. Tiffin from Tiffin. Nope, Tiffin. turns out he's a real player. Yep. He's a small school prophet who didn't get drafted, but he has become a priority free agent. Obviously, Pipkin would be incredibly raw given his competition in college, but Coach Shannon thinks he has some upside, mostly because of his great running ability. Chances are he'll never make it, but he may be worth gambling on and developing. If you don't need your third stringer to play anytime soon, he's a viable option. So, Ponder or Pipkin? I don't have any other choices. Pipkin you from Tiffin. Start over. Ugh. <laughs> which, I, which at this point, if I was you, I'd want to do. I feel with Matt Barkley, we already have Christian Ponder. Yeah, I'd take Pipkin, I guess, in that Pipkin scenario. from Tifkin. All right, congratulations. You have fulfill, fulfilled your <laughs> mandate and filled your death chart. Uh, Matt Barkley, Brad Kaya, and Antonio Pipkin. You spent $9 million in free agent money and a round two draft pick. Uh, so it, it goes off and says like uh, that this team's going to go 5-11 and 11 and have a big QB battle, but and it gives you a C. I give I give us a C also. I would give us a very strong San Francisco 49ers C. So yeah, I these are they have a bunch of these. They're gonna start making more. It's called R the Reddit is called R NFL Adventure Club. This and, is awesome. And that's I love amazing, this. by the I way. I thought it was kind of fun. And uh Maybe we'll run through another one some other time. Can we if if there's one for every team in the NFC West outside of the Seahawks, I would love to do that. I like how that if you I, I'm looking at the Garoppolo line and like it's just like they're like a man emerges from the shadows. He wants everything. It's Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he like he wants like your first round pick, the number two overall pick, which they would never do. Uh, so yeah. All right. Anyway, that was awesome, Nathan. That was really great. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, we maybe Good if they find. do it, if there's any new ones of those, maybe we'll pick one, a couple of those up over the off season. Let us know if you thought that was as funny as we thought it was. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and also now you know that if you have Kevin and Eric. Be your GMs for the off season. They're gonna come home with Matt Barkley, oh, well, Rad this... Kaya, and Pipkin. Now, I would I would like to let point me out just that say, we saved you with from the options from I was given because I would come home with a McCown. Doesn't matter which one; they're all the same. That's the same as coming home with Barkley, though. I don't feel like that's... no. I think that's better than Barkley. And okay. we didn't get a Hoyer. Look at a, if you look at Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think that McCown could actually play pretty hey, well. Hey, Kyle Shanahan, in the story, told you. He'd, he'd fit the offense to the talent. He's got this. Yeah, and there's no yeah, that's way. Nice. That's way too much to give up to, for Kirk Cousins. No way. That's that's RG3. Terrible. All right. So that's uh, that's that, though. That's it, Matt Barkley would call it terrible. Other NFL news? Well, there was a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I was going to oh, say. Yeah, are we, are we what did you, you guys think about it? I thought it was an extremely entertaining game that did not have the result I wanted, except for that it had the result of being an extremely entertaining game. I thought, I found myself thinking of Kevin during the game. Kevin, all playoffs have said, this is a terrible, a terrible, terrible playoffs. As Matt Barkley would say. As Matt Barkley would say. And this game turned out to be the game that we wanted to see. A lot of people, this is, this is just the Eric Ronebeck take of the podcast. Uh, my views do not, mirror the views of any other Seahawk fan out there, it seems. But listen to this. This is the result I wanted. Because the Atlanta Falcons, had they won, would be able to say, we have as many Super Bowl appearances as you, we have as many Super Bowl wins as you, except we could beat the Patriots when you couldn't. So they can't say that now. On top of that, guess what, Seahawk fans? Maybe you're like, well, I don't care about that, I hate the Patriots. Well, think about this. How many times are you going to have to hear, 
Should have run the ball. Not anymore because the Falcons blew a 25-point lead. Yeah, also, Thank them there was that. a point in the game where the Patriots needed to score a touchdown from the one with not very much time left, <laughs> and they definitely yes. ran the ball. And it was yeah. perfect. <laughs> what We were talking about it this in the, the argument. Like, should have ran the ball? Yep, you're right. That was perfect, though. In the thread, we were like, please pass the ball to the one and you know get to the one-yard line and pass the ball. They got right to the one-yard line. They passed the ball on a fade, which we said at the time was better than the pass they chose. Almost intercepted. Which was really yeah, bad. It was almost intercepted. It's terrible. Yeah, By the way, that's how bad the pass call was on that for the Seahawks <laughs> because Nate said that a fade would be better. Welcome to the only time that sentence yeah. ever happened. Well, I mean, yeah. At least either. a fade wouldn't have been picked. <laughs> I understand Here's your point. The thing is that we had run that same exact play a bunch of times during the regular season. So they knew exactly what to do to stop it. Like Browner just straight up blocks the pick from happening, like at the beginning of the play by just like blocking his guy he doesn't Jermaine, even, who was Jermaine curse doesn't remember. even do anything like, that's why we don't like Jermaine curse he cost us that Super Bowl all right anyway let's not talk about that play anymore uh, my thoughts on the game though is that um, one what'd you think of this year's Super Bowl man the Super Bowl that we had against the Patriots sucked <laughs> uh, let, me, let, me, let me give a couple thoughts okay one how great was it that Goodell had to hand that trophy <laughs> to Bob Kraft and uh did you, Belichick oh, and Tom wait did you see it. did you see the handshake between Brady and Goodell no. Okay, this is not a joke. I, I'm going to have to try and describe this for those that can't see it. Basically, Tom Brady shook Goodell's hand. You could tell he wasn't letting it go. He had it like <laughs> this. You know, he, he, he was not letting it go. All you could see was Tom Brady talking, Goodell nodding his head, and then all of a sudden Goodell's facial expression changed to that of, I don't want to be here anymore. And he started shaking his head, no, like, no. And he said something like, you're wrong, Tom, you're wrong. And Brady kept smiling and nodding his head. <laughs> so whatever we've said, something, I'm guessing it was along the lines of, hey, you really tried to screw us, but we, we shoved it in your face. And he said, no, that's not what I tried to do. Yeah, that's exactly what you tried to do. It was awesome. One team beat the Tom Brady Patriots this year. One. It was That'd the home the team. South Seahawks, yeah. I mean, they were great. They were truly great this year. Um, I think you said it right. They personified that team style defense that got better. Yep. You were on that train the whole second half of the season, Nate. Yeah, I think and I did not get on board with you, and I was in the wrong there. You had yeah. that. You they, had that nailed. Everyone do their job. That was their like defense style. And in the first half, it didn't work because the individual talent of Atlanta was really great, but they controlled the ball. Uh, the, Play calling the broke Patriots down with did. conservative the work. With the, the Patriots Falcons. controlled the ball. And then all of a sudden, like, their defense is really rested at the end of the game. And the Atlanta defense is dog-tired. They looked so broken at the end of that game. Like, Belichick and the They Patriots, were banged up, too. They broke them at the end of that game. And so they couldn't stop a nosebleed at the end of the game, as our, the poet-scholar Bart Scott would tell us. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a great football game. I thought, um, no, you know, no coaches for years and years and years are going to show tape of this game as, like, you can never give up because look at this. Like, look what happens if you just keep – Keep plugging away, right? Yeah, it's and twenty-eight to three, and you just can we just keep coming back? And it was, I think, it definitely goes down as easily one of the five best uh, playoff games in NFL history. And people ask this question like it's oh, it's one or the other. Like they say, did the Falcons blow it or did the Patriots win it? It's both. But the Patriots had to do had to do perfect to win, and the Falcons had to mess stuff up, and they certainly did. Yeah. The Falcons got 
way too conservative in the second half. And, and by the time they times. tried to turn and the gas they on, were really weird. They if you're going to be conservative, like don't pass and take zero seconds off the clock, and like, don't do seven step seven step drops with Matt and Ryan. Like, what are you doing? And they have three running but backs. I don't think you understand. Uh, situation chart said that that's the play we should do. They said third and one, we should go empty and make sure to get strip fumbled. Ridiculous. Like that was like the worst play of the whole game. Yeah, to me. that that I want to especially the win when Freeman up. the whole first half. Freeman dominated the first half. Yeah. Yep. Devontae Freeman and both running backs. Devin Devon, Coleman was playing. Devin Coleman too. played really well. Devontae Freeman tacked a zero <laughs> onto his contract with that first half. Absolutely did. Like uh, that was a really good yeah. first half of play. And in the second half, what do you what do they do, Kevin? That Kyle you hate? Shanahan beveled the hell out of it. Yes, abandon the run. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's could just, not could not jump off that run train fast enough. And it's like you're up by four scores. You all you have to do is milk the clock. I don't understand what what exactly what happened and. I mean the the whole like oh we're in the we're in the uh Kyle Shanahan zone. was playing that game on Reddit trying to figure out his next quarterback was going to be <laughs> <laughs> they're, when they're in the they're in the borderline red zone they're about to kick they're in range to kick like a forty yard field goal and then they just like I don't even know they just didn't do anything you know like they they just like they threw the ball sacked, got threw sacked, the ball away got, got called on a hold from Jake Matthews stupid and so dumb. all they needed like the first half proved. The uh, Patriots did not have an answer to swing passes to their running backs. They didn't yeah. have the linebacker speed, and even that part of their offense went away in the second half. I, I honestly don't know what the play calling scheme was. It was just Bill Belichick and uh, who's their D coordinator? Um, oh, uh, what's his name? It's uh, the, the it's guy with the Matt beard, Patricia. Matt Patricia. Matt I Patricia. keep wanting to say officer. Matt Patricia uh, wore officer. a great shirt when he when they got off the plane this morning. He was wearing a shirt that had Roger Goodell's face on it, but it was clown makeup, clown nose, clown hat. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. The Patriots hate Goodell. It's awesome. I love it. I, I, um, but Matt I like Patricia the and Patriots Bill Belichick are, just out schemed Kyle Shanahan. Yep. Period. They, they just, they just were, I mean, they showed their greatness. And the thing is, Bill Belichick, he never gave up. He was stone faced on the sidelines. And the thing that's crazy is after that strip fumble, you know, a lot of times like guys that far behind, they would, it still would have been like, all right, we're probably still not coming back. But Tom Brady, when you saw him, when that strip fumble happened, he came out the sideline like crazy. He was like, we're going about to do this. Like, and that was after he got happening. beat up in the first half. Right. Yes. He got beat up. He knew. He like, should have been demoralized, and I he watched, wasn't. I watched that Tom Brady 6 documentary again, the one that ESPN did, about the six quarterbacks who got taken before Tom Brady. But it's mostly just about Tom <clears throat> Brady, to be honest, yeah. if you watch the documentary. It really is. And, like, he's just the ultimate competitor, man. He just, like, grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds. He doesn't have the best physical tools. He's in a great situation, I'll admit it. Like... Being Bill Belichick's quarterback for 19 years is a good landing spot, but at the end of the day, like he, that's a good match. He's great. Like he he's truly great. And you know, there's five guys you can talk about as the greatest quarterback of all time, and Tom Brady certainly has to be one of them. Yeah. I could see arguments being made for you know Elway, Montana, uh, you know uh, Peyton Manning. Tom Brady's right there though. That's like the that's like the Mount Rushmore right there. Yes. I think of quarterbacks. All right. Uh, let's Dan do uh, one. Can I add one thing to the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's uh, I, I was going to say with Steve Young. Yeah, you should have been because we we went through this. But I don't believe. Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe. I don't believe in left-handed quarterbacks though. <laughs> they exist. Name good left-handed quarterbacks. There's like two. Byron Leftwich. There's no. There's two, and that's not one. <laughs> or of them. sorry, sorry. Byron no, it wasn't Byron Leftwich. It was uh, uh Byron Leftwich is left-handed. Uh, th- I thought. No, I thought it was Gerard. David David Gerard was the yeah, lefty, uh, and uh, Byron Leftwich was the right. The list of good left-handed quarterbacks is Steve Young and Mike Vick, and then that's it. There's, 
I mean, I there might be. Was it like Otto Graham or somebody left-handed? Hey, let me look. There's, hey. there's somebody in the hitting the way back machine that was a lefty. Before you, uh, before we close the Super Tim Bowl, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. I hate goodness you. gracious. No, um, and it wasn't like Ken Stabler. The reason there's no left-handed quarterbacks is because all the offenses are designed for right-handed people. But there's like one from like the 1950s. Are we, and are one we talking from about? Like the 19- yeah, I'm, I'm legit looking at a 19- list. What about, uh, what about Papa Manning? Wasn't Papa no, Manning Papa, left-handed? I don't think Papa Manning was left-handed. Not that he was a great quarterback either. Uh, I like that Mark Brunel. Oh, Mark Brunel was a legitimately good quarterback. Nah, he Frank, was legitimately good. He's terrible on ESPN. Frankie but, Albert, which is like too old for me. Bobby Douglas, also yes. too old for me. If it's a black and white picture, it's too old for everyone. Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn, Seahawks, greatest Seahawks yes, quarterback before Dave Craig player. came along. Boomer Esiason. I always forget Boomer. Boomer was a good quarterback. It's all right, yeah. Ken Stabler. Oh, I was right. Ken Stabler is very good. Way to go, Kevin. I will give Stabler, but Vic, Vic and Young, I think, are in the, a class of their own. Of course. Well, Young especially. Vic just never produced it. He had the talent to do it, but like, there was like he a, was not just the maturity. His entire there was career. like a, how dare you, Kevin? There was like a three year run where I thought, I think, uh, so I have a good transition right here. Uh, <laughs> wait, can I, but, but can I want to, I want to just say odds. something real quick. Okay, go ahead. Percy Harvin. That's why you signed Percy Harvin, Atlanta. Because after we had the lead going into Super Bowl 48, we had Percy Harvin return the touchdown, ensuring seven points. What did Atlanta do? They had a three and out. That's why they lost the Super Bowl. No Percy Harvin. No, they didn't Their run kick the returner is good, though. Right, Not anyway. Percy Harvin. Uh, I would like to jump straight into the movie club because I have a good... I hate that argument like I hate Dan I knew, you, I knew you would. I, I want to go straight into the movie club have a good transition, but I can't because we have to talk about Patreon. Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. That's where you can find... Us and my monthly YouTube videos, and uh, you can get a sticker, and you can get all, you can get a shirt, you can get a, you can actually come on the podcast. Uh, all those rewards, you just need to pay that for <laughs> Careful, one month. That's C O M E. You just need to pay that for one month, and then you can just go down to a lower level to continue your support. So if you like, uh, and also you get all the stuff at the lower levels too. Oh, and you can pick our movie club movie. Yes, you could pick the movie. You could pick. Uh, actually, we let some, we let someone who messages us pick last the last week's movie was a su- uh, fan suggestion. That's because he's really active. If yeah. all y'all would get off your butts and be as active <laughs> as he is, yeah, that's, that, that's to our, our the bet. Argentinian twelfth man contingency is stronger than any it's American like, attempts at this point. Yeah, I was gonna say his his uh, his conversation skills are better than most of the questions and messages we field. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I'm pretty sure are you can not have hot dates. No, it's like that's a, that's a lot of the Russell Wilson. He bad. Yeah. <laughs> what if Russ? What about this question I got? What if Russell Wilson wins four straight MVPs and gets four four Super Bowl rings and four, four straight Super MVPs, Bowl MVPs? Right. He, in four consecutive years, would he be the greatest quarterback of all time? And I think the answer is still no. Uh, he'd have to play like five or six more seasons at an average level just to, and then he'd be in, he'd be in the conversation. Yeah, it'd, it, be, it'd, it'd be, be the greatest, greatest four-year stretch. Yes, it'd be the greatest four-year run. He would guaranteedly get get in the Hall of Fame. Like, I mean, there's just a, he'd be the Terrell Davis of a lot needs to happen to be the greatest quarterback of all. Greatest time. quarterback of all time is like you gotta be around for a while. I mean, what the, that was the most impressive thing about what Tom Brady did. Thirty-nine years old, thirty-nine years old. Like, there's I can't imagine many thirty-nine-year-old. Peyton Manning was wearing a dirty diaper to the to the Super Bowl at that age. Yeah, he couldn't and, turn his head. <laughs> like seriously, like without 30, looking like the bird from Dumb and Dumber, thirty-nine years old Tom Brady. Like he just he he was a he's you know it was like a great comeback. It was against all the odds. Speaking of against the odds, let's talk about a movie where a group of young men <laughs> did it overcome the odds. Let's talk about a movie 
where people click bottles together and blame people for things that you cannot other, go wrong with this. Other film. people uh, didn't. I'm gonna let Kevin you can take also over. Ask right people here. to come out and play. Yes, Kevin. Uh, this is all. I believe you're talking about the lead. The, lead 1979. To, yes, lead, 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 uh, the, lead the way, Kevin. Cult classic that popularized turnstile hopping in the New York subway system, and that would be the Warriors. Did it really? Did it really popularize? Uh, it that? did popularize that. That was apparently not a big thing prior to the movie, Ooh. and then they saw that, and uh, people were very mad that they did that in the movie. I was going to say thanks a lot, Warriors. Um, so this is the movie about. Uh, this is one of those movies that pulls off a great beginning scene where you think it's going to be one kind of movie and then takes a left turn. Um, this is one of my all-time favorites. The first time I saw this, uh, my brother and I had the flu and we were watching um, uh, Monster Vision with Joe Bob Riggs and it was the second movie on at 1 a.m. And we coughed and sputtered <laughs> through the movie. And this is just gold. Just uh, gold. I, I remember when I was like 13 or 14 years old. Kevin, me and Kevin would hang out and stuff, and he gave me this like old, beat-up VHS tape of The Warriors. He's like, you gotta watch this. And then I watched it. It was great. Like I was like, this movie's cool. Like It's got like a... like It's a, just cool. It's got a style to it, for sure. Um, the... Gosh, I'm trying... The chick who does the uh, the radio DJ? All right, you oh, boppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone out there is looking for those cool cats from Coney. And uh, she's like passing on messages from the gangs. Uh, she's a disc jockey on an overnight radio station. But it's basically like all the gangs of New York are meeting in uh, what, Central Park. And um, there's this great montage at the beginning where it shows all the gangs heading to the meeting. And so you get to see like all the different ways that they dress up and they all have, like themed outfits. It's kind of amazing. There's like, it's almost like it's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and basically something happens at the meeting and the cops break it up and I'm not going to give away the plot point because it's really good. And they spend the rest of the movie trying to get back to their turf on Coney. And, these are a lot of actors who had small roles in future things, but this movie was very ensemble driven. It had, um, divergent plot lines. The action scenes are really well done because they're believable in a lot of ways. Like they're kind of ridiculous. There's a fight against somebody on roller skates and that's amazing. Yes. Uh, it happens in a subway bathroom, which is more amazing, but it's the, it's the one part of the movie though that is, smaller in scope than yeah. the rest of the film, which is kind of refreshing during the movie. Well, and the fight scene shot in the bathroom is really cool choreography because they use all the stuff in the room. Okay. It's just, there's You're a lot like of well-done well like things. This, Kevin. Uh, the director of the movie made every single guy on the cast go through stunt school so that the, to make sure the fights would look good. And you could tell. Every single well, person. Had that's to go pretty cool. Stunt if you watch this, every fight in it is, you like, you, you buy it. Like, it looks like it's happening. And they they kind of show long angle shots on a lot of the fights. So it's not like this herky-jerky camera work. Mm-hmm. You really get to see things connect. There's a couple of times where they actually slow it down and it shows some of the things happening. There's just some really... They um, use the scenery about as well as any movie. And each gang kind of has its own identity. And so each fight um ends up having its own feel based on the gangs that are involved and that's really cool too but this game this this uh movie just has like this cool vibe to it 
Like, there's so much personality to everything going on. It's, yeah, it's just a really enjoyable, good movie. Yeah, I think, like, the director's vision here of, like, making a small-scale movie that feels like it's, like, a comic book. Like, he, he thought that was his goal, and I feel like he really pulled it off. Like, it's that there's it's really stripped down. There's a, There's just a really simple plot hook. You know, they're at this big gathering. This guy, Cyrus, is giving this really exciting speech, and then he gets shot, and then someone says, hey, it was those guys. Those guys did it. And they're like, what? And then so that they was a plot to... point I didn't want to ruin, but it is within the first like eight minutes of the movie. It's a movie that came out 40 years ago, Kevin. If you, if, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if Not you don't want to spoil a 40-year-old movie, like it, you can spoil it all you want. It's Fine. Still, okay. The, it's still uh, good. The boat sinks at the end of Titanic. Uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Let's do it all. I mean, Darth Vader is Luke's father. If you spoil that, like that, that movie also came out 40 yeah. years ago. All right. So, uh, but uh, the that's the plot. The natural the was whole, really good. At the baseball. whole rest of the movie is just them getting chased down by all these uh, weird gangs. You know, like there's like the Gramercy Riffs and the Orphans and all these gangs. My favorite are- one is the Baseball Furies because they are wearing <laughs> pinstripe baseball uniforms and they do um like they do multicolor face paint. And they look like walking caricatures, but they, and they, of course, fight with baseball bats. And it just, like, there's this great scene where, uh, it's after the gang split up. Um, they got split up by, uh, they got to a subway station, got chased in opposite direction by cops. And so, um, when they split up, there's like three gang members. And they see this group of like 12 dudes with baseball bats and they start running. And there's this great like chase scene, but it's more like a stalking scene from a slasher flick because you know they can't run forever. And so they're on this other gang's turf. And so it's these dudes dressed like baseball players chasing them through the city (laughs) of New York until they finally have a confrontation and the fight happens, which contains a great one of the great one liners, which is I'm going to take that baseball bat. And shove it up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's good some one-liners. good like tough guy one liners. Yeah. It kind of amazes me though that it's it's a smaller scale movie. How many extras are in this movie? Tons. Tons. Yes, they were all but, real, they were all real gangs too. Exactly. But what are they? They're just gang members. It's not like you know there's there's a lot of hey we're gonna be sitting around and these people are just gonna be milling about in the background. No, every they're extra doing is stuff. like yeah. They're well, all just the number of cops. Yeah. There's got to be at least thirty to forty cops in the <clears> movie. <throat> um, I like at the end of the movie how they 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 catch up with the uh, David Patrick Kelly and they they're like why did you do it? Why did you shoot him? And he's like. I don't know. I don't know. Just like doing stuff like that. I just like doing stuff like that. It's like, it's like, it makes the Uh, whole thing just feel like, oh, what? Like, he just gives you like that feeling. And then like, it makes you really want that guy to, to die too. (laughs) And then, and then you get your payoff. Yeah. And then you get the payoff. Um, David Patrick Kelly, by the way. No. You can see him. It wasn't me. It was them. You can see him in the upcoming movie, John Wick 2, which is part of why I picked this. That's a uh, good tie. He plays Charlie, which the pod, the entire podcast will be seeing on Thursday together. Yeah. Thursday at seven. We're we're going early, early. Uh, the, but David Patrick Kelly, he plays uh, Charlie, the guy who gets the coins and is the cleanup guy. Oh, that's, that's right. That's guy. right. Yep. So there's your uh, there's your tie-in to a to a current. He's movie. had a lot of those it. kind of cool weird roles in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a sm- he's like he's like a bit player, small role guy. He's done a ton of little stuff. Um, there's also been rumors for a long time, uh, that they want to remake this movie. Uh, like just people talking about remaking it, people talking about making a TV series. They uh, did the video game for it, which was fine. So 
Tony Scott Never played it. Tony Scott wants to make, remake it. Uh, then also there's a Hulu TV show that's trying to get made. So there might be something uh, in the pipe coming. Let soon. me let me ask so you guys: Do you feel like this could be remade and still be as a movie and still be good, or would you rather them maybe try a, a TV series or leave it alone entirely? I would rather see a mini series than a TV series. I don't think it would make a great TV series. Well, Hulu's Hulu's TV series are, seems like they're. Their model is to make a mini series. Like they, they like I could that. do that. If it was like six episodes or something. Yeah, that, that's, that's fine. what they did with Handmaid's Tale. That's what they did with thing. And I also, I'd like to. I don't want to say that they they really whitewashed the book though in the movie because, like, obviously, like a 1979 production company didn't want to make a a movie that didn't star a bunch of white people. So it'd be nice to see it because the book, the original book, like none of the main characters are white in the original book. So. Uh, there's a lot. Well, there's a lot of. Uh, diversity in there but the bulk of the primary gang ends up being white right but like uh rembrandt and uh who's the leader like all the all the gang members in i like looked it up like the gang members in the book are all like black and latino so i mean it'd just be nice it'd be interesting they could they could put their different spin on it just by like being more faithful to the original novel yeah does that make sense well because there's no reason to have changed that and, and it would feel different even though it's functionally not just because that's the way we are and there'd be a lot of people <laughs> awkwardly hurt by the fact that they didn't make them all white which is hilarious to me so I have oh that yeah that'd be to. great because people would be like oh now you're gonna make them not white and everyone could be like well in the book they weren't white you idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> whenever but, but i get a scene like that, that probably can't read so that's, <laughs> that's the thing my my favorite Boom. thing when we get something like that is a uh, neil gaiman's quote about anansi boys when they tried to get them to cast white people for anansi boys it's like did you and read he was the like, book well no his quote was uh I already have enough money, so I don't need to make a movie. Nice, <laughs> which is just perfect. Yeah, it's like I, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. All right, so that's our that's our movie suggestion. We suggest you watch the Warriors in preparation for uh, John Wick two and the upcoming Warriors Hulu series. So uh, <laughs> be on the lookout for that stuff, and uh, we'll see uh, see you next week. I'm Nathan Sano. That's Kevin Garber, and that's Eric Ronnebeck. Follow us on Twitter. Smash that like button as many times as you can, and we'll see you next week. Can you dig it?